Hi there, welcome to this Pride Month podcast. My name's Anthony, Communications Manager here at OCR, and I'm the host of this podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by two guests to talk about Pride Month, a month dedicated to celebrating LGBTQ plus communities and raising awareness of the support available. Now in its 50th year, the UK had its first Pride protest march in London in 1972. My guests will be chatting about what Pride Month means to them, how they're getting involved and how you can get involved too. We'll also talk about diversifying the curriculum and we'll share tips on how to offer support to LGBTQ students and colleagues in school or college. My first guest today is Adam Juice. Adam is the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Godalming College in Surrey, where he also holds a position of Director of Transition and Progression. Adam also teaches OCR A-Level English Language. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for joining. I'm also joined by Jaylee Matthew. Jaylee is the head of Key Stage 4 Science at Southbank University Academy in London and has recently joined OCR as an examiner. So a double welcome to you, Jaylee. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now, just as a reminder to everyone listening, all the links and resources we chat about are available in the podcast description. And be sure to head on over to our website, www.ocr.org.uk forward slash blog, as we've published new Pride Month blogs, which su- suggest some great ways teachers can raise awareness in the classroom, incorporate the topic into lessons and support LGBTQ plus students. So let's get started. Let's start with a little icebreaker, shall we? So can you tell me who your favourite LGBTQ plus icon is and why? Let's start with Jaylee. All right. Well, I've got two kind of obscure ones. Um, so Lady Phil, obviously, uh, for all her work with UK Black Pride and Kaleidoscope. And then kind of obscure addition to that is all of the gender nonconforming pirates of the late um, 18th and 17th century. I don't know. I'm not a history teacher because um, they were they used to bend gender and just to get what they wanted. Um, and it just exists, which is great. Yeah. Thank you very much. And Adam, what about you? Who's your favourite LGBTQ plus icon and why? Well, I think my favourite LGBTQ plus icon has to be Ollie Alexander. Uh, For me, not only is his music fantastic and in his music, he breaks down a lot of gender and sexuality norms, but also I really rate him as uh, the character of Richie in It's a Sin, uh, which is a fantastic drama series um, looking at uh, LGBTQ plus people during the AIDS crisis in the 1980s. And I think it certainly resonated with me a lot of the experiences he had as the, as the actor playing that character um, in terms of the shame element, um, which fortunately we're moving away from um, in our society. Absolutely. Yeah, great artist. Thank you. Um, so... Adam, what does Pride Month mean to you? So I think it's a mixture of different things. I think, firstly, I think of Pride in a very uh, positive way, in a celebratory way, uh, bringing individuals together um, who, uh, you know, can sort of get involved with different activities, events, uh, find out more about different sections of Pride, because... um, the LGBTQ plus umbrella is a, is a big umbrella. And often, you know, you can be very uh, clear about the particular area that you 
inhabit, shall we say, in that sphere if you identify as LGBTQ+. Um, but um, yeah, so it, it's, it's about having that option. Um, but I think as well, it's also about, it's, it's a political movement for me. It's about, you know, recognizing that there's still quite a lot of work to do, particularly with the um, TQ plus area of the umbrella. Um, and often when um, there are sort of media backlashes um, against Pride events, it reinforces for me why we need to have them in the first place. Um, so for me, it's a sort of, yeah, it's, it's a positive, it's a reflective opportunity, but it's also political. Great, thank you. And uh, Jaylee, what does Pride Month mean to you? Building on that, that's, yeah, that really covers it really well. Adam. Um, and something I think we build on is our celebrating intersectionality of all those different identities that we can hold um, alongside those LGBTQ plus identities is looking at how we can actually celebrate and incorporate all those different aspects into our, into our lives and celebrating that within, well, starting in our schools and then going out into the wider community, I think is what kind of where we're going with this. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about celebrating and supporting, are you doing anything for Pride Month in school or? Um, yeah, we, so a few of the other teachers and I are planning, we've, we've done assemblies um, building on our work we did in LGBT History Month, uh, looking at, again, looking at that intersectionality, but also looking at the history of Pride and how Pride started as a protest. And then we're building on that with having, we've got fundraising, we're fundraising money for the outside project, uh, raising uh, with pronoun badges and lanyards, rainbow lanyards. And we've also got uh, movie sessions where we're going to watch um, Heartstopper with some of our key stage three students to get the representation there. And then obviously we've always got Rainbow Club um, as a weekly fixture in the term. Well, that sounds brilliant and re yeah, really um, fun sounding activities there. And I actually binge watched Heartstopper at the weekend and absolutely loved it. It was, uh, yeah, really good chat. I could, could do a whole podcast to chat about that, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, Adam, what, are you doing anything to support Pride Month? Yeah, uh, indeed. So we have, um, through the tutorial system, we focus on LGBT plus um, role models and figures uh, as part of Pride Month. But also importantly, um, you know, as we're a sixth form college, we like to make sure that students run initiatives that they feel strongly about. So we have um, a student's union, which is elected, and there is a, uh, an EDI officer on that um, student union body. So we had a meeting, you know, they want to play uh, LGBTQ plus songs in the canteen. We have a radio booth there, uh, face painting, rainbow cupcakes, LGBTQ plus book swap. Um, I like those things because I think it's a fun way of getting involved. You, you know, it's important, I think, to strike the balance between having some fun, enjoying the event, advertising the event, um, without it coming across as, as, you know, too serious or too preachy. I, th I think there has to be in order to engage more people. Great, thank you. Could you suggest some ways in which schools or colleges can get involved in Pride Month? Well, I think it's important if you don't already have one to set up a network um, of fellow EDI officers. So 
the college is part of an S7 consortium of sixth form colleges and we each have a counterpart and we have um, at least sort of uh, twice yearly meetings where we can reflect and talk about ideas to help us you know and they can be sort of you know how do you deal with trans issues on residential trips you know what's your EDI policy but also you know if it's ahead of a liberation month how how are people promoting that so I think that's quite important um, if there's a staff development and well-being group that's a good way to get um, staff involved with that encouraging students to set up uh, groups or societies so we have um, bit like the rainbow club Jaylee mentioned we've got a similar one sort of equalities group and that enables those sort of discussions in a safe space without teaching members of staff which is uh you know important sometimes you know to not have teachers there crowding their space and so they're able to you know open up about more sensitive things um but also see what's going on in the local area I mean last September for example in Godalming we had Pride in Surrey uh, come along for the first time, which was fantastic. And it was a really big event. Um, my other uh, job is a counsellor on the town council. So I took a load of students down, part of the Pride March. It was great to get Pride in Surrey at Godalming. And so liaising with the, the local community, I think, is another good way to do it. Fantastic. Jaylee, what do you think? Uh, so thinking from a because we're part of a smaller multi-academy trust so we don't have as many as many network opportunities there um, but we've definitely got our assemblies are a really good way to start if you've got staff members who are courageous enough to take the lead on that uh, if you don't there are lots of different companies and charities that do lots of work like this so you've got just like us you've got RM Diversify lots of different uh, companies do touch on this and you could do that as an assembly to students or alternatively as a twilight to staff if staff don't feel like they have the knowledge and the vocabulary to help support students that could be your initial starting point because uh, that's one of the things that you need to kind of start to initiate change in the culture of the school because it's the culture that will determine how how well staff and students feel supported and um, something to consider, I guess, for leaders is if you don't have any of these things in place, then thinking about why that is and what historical issues there might be or what you're going to do to start to change that. So having those conversations with leaders, but also with your staff, all of your staff, not just the leaders, with your teachers and your learning assistants, everyone involved in the school needs to be part of that culture change. Great tips. Thank you both. Um, so, Jamie, um, regarding all things LGBTQ+, how have things changed in the classroom, school, college, from when you were at school or college? That's very different. Uh, well, I grew up in Australia, so I don't have the same experience of Section 28 as lot, what lots of people have here. Um, but I also did grow up in quite a conservative um, community. So uh, it was kind of just ignored and it was just wasn't a thing it didn't happen and so growing up it was very difficult and confusing to grow up and have all these feelings and trying to work out who you are and then it just being ignored or when eventually when I did try and uh, growing up at school I was told that I was wrong and that no one needs to see that to keep it to myself so that was a huge 
kind of formative experience. And one of, I guess, one of the reasons why we do this work is to make sure that we have those spaces and to create those spaces for those students that we teach now. Absolutely. And talking is good. And um, Adam, what about you? Yes, well, um, yeah, I think uh, the Section 28 was repealed the year I started secondary school in 2003. And so, um, but I don't, I don't think it had any impact actually with the school I went to because it, and, and this is where I do think um, the state sector in many ways is ahead of the private sector. I went to a small independent school where there was no PSHE curriculum at all. Uh, the only recognition of homosexuality was in an RE paper about, you know, why it was, you know, sort of viewed as uh, a negative. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I mean, it, a, a bit like Jaylee was saying, it, it just wasn't talked about. You know, there was no recognition at all. Um, you know, it, it, it was assumed that you would be heterosexual, um, cisgender, um, there was nothing about it. And I think that, that even, you know, thinking about other areas, because I, I used to do stagecoach in, in, you know, at the drama group, but not, it wasn't even mentioned in that, you know, there was, there was just no coverage. And it wasn't really until I went to university, I think, that, you know, LGBTQ plus started to be uh, more openly talked about. And I think that, um, you know, uh, as, as Jaylee was saying, it, it's why we want there to be more uh, representation here. You know, before I came to, you know, Godalming College, EDI was sort of held within senior management, um, but they were very receptive, a bit like Jelly would mentioned earlier about having school leaders on board. They're receptive to think, actually, we do need this. We do need, you know, a point of contact. We need students to feel comfortable um, in their surroundings and being able to talk to somebody who may have gone through a similar uh, experience um, or similar elements of the experience, I think is is needed in the same way we have role models for other protected characteristics. Absolutely, thank you. Um, so, um, and it's interesting what you say about university because is that, do you think, because it's just purely the years progress on a little bit and things are, you know, kind of modernising, being talked about more, or maybe it's and a combination of, you know, there's a more diverse range of young people and students, you know, travelling around going to different universities and therefore that kind of organically happens, doesn't it, I guess? It's, um... Yeah, I think it's a bit of both because 2010, the year before I went to uni, was the um, Equality Act, which was the major bit of legislation from the UK government. Um, and then three years later was the Equal Marriage Act. So there, there was quite a sort of intense change of legislation during that period. Um, so I think that that, um, you know, for some groups I appreciate. And, uh, but I think there are still these issues that, um, I, you know, when I uh, mentioned to my one of my classes that, uh, did you know that um, if, if you're in a same-sex marriage, uh, you can't uh, divorce somebody based on adultery, you know, and they, what? You know, and it's sort of, and equally about the whole blood donation, a ridiculous situation where even if you're in a monogamous relationship, um, you know, you're ostracized and you're, 
you're not allowed to give blood uh, only after a period of, I think, three months now. Um, but I think those types of legislation are when people go, oh, I'd never realized that. Um, why are there these complete uh, sort of misdemeanors? Yes, a lot of work to be done. So here at OCR, we're reviewing our qualifications from an equality, diversity, inclusion and belonging perspective. So in our history qualifications, we were the first example to include the Stonewall rights of 69 in our GCSE history AQUAL. And our GCSE history BQUAL has diversity as one of its guiding principles. And we've got plans to look at psychology and sociology this year. So uh, Jay Lee, do students do you think see themselves reflected in the curriculum and what more do you feel can be done to diversify the curriculum? So I mean talking from a perspective of teaching science um, I think a lot of the protected characteristics are ignored or presented in quite a negative or like a sanitized way so particularly when we talk about genetics we talk about genetic disorders and uh, that is an opportunity for students to see disability for example as something and then a lot of the time it's presented as opportunities for to correct this or to get rid of this trait whatever um, and then we have the same when we talk about biological sex for example that a lot of the time it is taught purely as x and y chromosomes and we know from lots of current research that x and y chromosomes are not the only determining factors in genetics in sex and uh, sexual presentation so they're not the only things and when we talk about that eh, we are not including the range of those people so we're not including in people who have intersex experiences we're not in when considering that makes up quite a large proportion of people so statistically lots of people don't even know they're intersex um, and that needs to be included as part of it and just presenting it in a more nuanced way rather than as a sanitized it's as simple as X, Y, and that's it. Um, I think that comes with lots of different aspects of the curriculum as well. Uh, when we talk about relationships and, for example, and the uh, relationships in nature, we don't kind of acknowledge those the existence of those uh, termed homosexual tendencies of uh, other species, which is actually completely normal um, for species throughout nature. So it's something I think we miss in our um, presentation of the science curriculum, at least. So that's a really good start point, I think. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Um, Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, um, at the college, I did a, an internal quality review about three years ago, trying to see how um, equality, diversity and inclusion issues could be embedded more, because I think there has been a period of time um, where EDI has been viewed as a bit tokenistic, um, maybe in the last round of the Ofsted um, framework. Um, and it's, it's difficult to, I think, um, for some, I think it's easier, sorry, I'll rephrase it, easier for some subject areas to explore these issues than others. I mean, with a subject like English, um, you know, and a lot of languages and humanities, you know, it's sort of the essence of what we do. You know, we question society, we question um, different sort of contributors to society and why they think in a particular way. Um, and when I was an author for 
uh, OCR on the English language A-level papers, that was something I was very keen to do, was to provide text that with the English language specification, there's much more freedom. Um, and I think that that um, was very much at the forefront of my mind and is when I teach texts. Um, with English literature, it's a bit different. You've got this whole sort of canon, uh, which I do think needs to be queried. I do think there needs to be more uh, critical review of the writers we have. And I think exam boards could do um, a lot more with that. I mean, you know, it, it, for example, this year when I teach A Streetcar Named Desire, um, there's much more awareness um, of racial issues in the play than there has been in previous years. And also more understanding and empathy of the fact that the writer, Tennessee Williams, um, as, a, as a gay man growing up in the 1920s and uh, uh, 30s US South, um, experienced, you know, such uh, stigma um, and that's sort of represented through um, a character in the play. But, you know, I'm finding that I don't need to say much for students to uh, be able to identify um, that those sort of issues were um, sort of so detrimental to people's mental health. Um, so I think it, it needs to be a two-pronged focus. I'm glad for this podcast because I think a lot of the time teaching staff don't feel as though they're included in um, sort of specification contents and um, ways in which you can you know change it. What do you think can be done in schools and colleges to support students who identify as LGBTQ plus or perhaps just coming out? Um, well I think um, it's it's sort of it's all due to training it's all down to training I think I mean there has to be inset sessions, there has to be more awareness from staff. Um, we're changing uh, the, the lanyards actually so that it includes pronouns on them, which I think is a really easy way to, you know, convey that um, from staff and students. And I've been encouraging staff to include pronouns in signatures and things like that in their email signatures. Um, and as part of the sort of introductory process when you sort of have students for the first time, as Jaylee was saying, you know, when you first meet your class, you want to get their names uh, correctly pronounced um, in the same way you would want their pronouns to be correct. Um, so I think inset is very important for that. Um, and I mean, a lot of the time, uh, IT can be very restrictive. And I think those are the areas where we need to change it we you know we've changed it for example with the application service to the college where we include a space for preferred name uh, we include um, a space for pronoun use um, you know it's it's about sort of getting out of that binary data collection mentality um, equally you know having it on registers those types of things are important and I think for the second question about those who maybe don't fall under the LGBTQ plus umbrella but would like to support, don't judge, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a simple uh, message, but it's so true. I mean, I think a lot of the time people, when they try to understand things, um, they sort of reflect what they've experienced in life onto the person who's speaking. Um, so, I had this even in lockdown when I went to the supermarket and they said, um, oh, doing a weekly shop for your wife and kids. You know, it was just so 
right okay fine <laughs> i'm not going to go here i'm not going to try and deconstruct why this is all wrong um but it, it you know because it was clearly the cashier's way of life uh, and, she, and she was sort of then um sort of putting that onto my life um i think that you know coming and approaching it at an angle where a lot of people are doing now where they say do you have a partner uh, something like that or um you know uh, saying oh I'm open to the idea of learning about there being more than just a gender binary. Um, those are things that are meaningful. Absolutely. Um, so Adam, say there's a student or a colleague who's perhaps struggling with their feelings, their emotions, potentially coming to terms with who they really are and don't know what to do or who to talk to. What would you say to them right now? Um, I think it, it would, um, I mean, obviously, if they'd come to me about it, I would speak to them um, about, you know, the, the degree to which I have uh, an understanding. So when it comes to, you know, sexuality, for example, I can speak more uh, maybe based on some personal experiences uh, than maybe gender identity. Um, I would make sure that they were um, put in touch with local organisations. So we have charities like Outline, we have LGBT plus youth groups. Um, so, and also encourage them if they feel open to, to just go along to the equivalent rainbow group, the, the, the local lunchtime group, um, you know, just to sort of figure it out. Because I think for a lot of people, it's just figuring out and finding sort of people who are similar to them in order to have the language to talk about these things. And I think in the same way, we've had no language about mental health <laughs> for, you know, centuries. Uh, equally, we've had no language about LGBTQ plus until quite recently. But I think that those sorts of things are, those sorts of areas um, are useful. I think um, they'll also help in terms of uh, knowing when it's right to uh, come out to parents, if it is right to come out to parents. And I think that uh, one thing maybe that schools and colleges could do more of is supporting parents with the process. And from my perspective, I would add that it's really important that we are supporting all of our team members as part of a school. So if someone is not necessarily comfortable coming out to everyone, it's important for them to know that you see them in that they're allowed to express themselves in those safe spaces that you create. That goes for staff and students. So for staff, it would look like making sure that they are not accidentally outed. And for students, it's about congratulating them to be brave enough to come and tell you and that they trust you for sharing that information. And that's really important. And then just giving them space to work it out for themselves but also them feeling supported along the entire way. Thanks so much, Adam and Jaylee, for joining me on the podcast. And to all our listeners, I hope you found this podcast interesting. Remember to head on over to our website as we published a few new subject blogs to support Pride Month, including science, sports and computer science. 